Well, hello, hello, and good evening, everyone. This is Pastor Thomas Clymer coming to you live this evening from Family Worship Center Church in Athens, Tennessee, and it's good to be with you all tonight, and uh, we're doing things just a little bit different this evening. As most of you know, as I'm sure in your area, we have had a couple of days of some white stuff, some snow, some sleet, uh, rain, a mixture of all uh, there for a couple of days, and we had some really, really cold temperatures the last couple of days. I believe it was four degrees here last night, and I think it's supposed to be 10 to 12 or something like that tonight. But um, so we canceled our in-service uh, church service. We didn't want our people to have to get out and come. A lot of them, they come, they travel a good distance. They come on some uh, back roads, and uh, we know things are still uh, slick, areas where it's still, roads are still slick. Actually, our church parking lot still got a lot of snow and ice on it, so we just felt that we would not jeopardize anybody falling uh, sliding off the road or anything like that. But at the same time, uh, we don't live very far, so we're able to drive in the snow. And we just felt like that we would come to the church and bring church to you. Those of you watching online, we thank God for you, for those that are watching, those that are being blessed. And um, I believe that God is going to do some great things in the days ahead. We had two great church services Sunday Sunday mornings, I preached from Matthew 23, and then Sunday evening from First Thessalonians chapter 4 on the rapture of the church, and we had some really, really good services, so uh, we just want to say praise God, and for those of you that are watching online regularly, we ask you to share these videos with your friends, share them on Facebook, from the YouTube channel also, and I want to remind everyone that uh, you can go to our website fwc-tn.com where you can find out more about the church ministry and uh, things like that and we want to say thank you to those that are continuing to help us with missions uh, the finances donations prayer that you're um, offering to give us what we need to take these trips we don't have any trips planned just yet for this year we were uh, I was actually talking with a pastor from Mexico last year, and um, I'm not sure whether or not that's going to go through, if we're going to go there just yet, waiting to hear back from him and praying about these things, talking to some pastors in Africa. So pray for us that the Lord will help us and guide us where he wants us to go. We don't just want to go anywhere we want to find out what God wants, and then we want to go and preach the gospel so that people can get saved. And so we just need you to pray for us, pray with us, that God will show us. We've got a building fund going on here uh, with a new sanctuary to build on the back of our property. Uh, we've raised somewhere in the neighborhood of eleven, between eleven to $12,000, I believe, is what we're uh, close to. And... It's going to take a whole lot more than that, but I'm thankful that people have been given to help us. So if you would like to help us, you can also give. Um, you go online to the website. You'll see a link on the screen uh, during our services when we take up tithes and offerings. You can click on that link, and you can go and you can donate online, and it's safe, secure. You don't have to worry about any of your information getting out 
to anyone. So we just want you to know that. And uh, praise the Lord tonight for the good things that he's doing. So continue watching these services. Continue sharing these services. And uh, our prayer is that people will get saved this year, people that don't know Jesus, that they'll come to know him by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the mission, really, of our church. That's the reason we exist here is to do everything we can to uh, try to get people to come to know Jesus Christ because he's the answer to every single problem. He is the answer. He's the answer for every bondage. He's the answer for the government. He's the answer for the church, the answer for the world. And we're doing everything we can to try to let everybody know that he is the answer. Amen. So we want to just make sure that people know that that is the mission of our church is to tell people about Jesus Christ, of course, to preach, to teach the word, uh, to build up the body, exhort uh, believers and so that they can go outside the doors and have something to give to those outside the four walls of the building. If we only keep it within the four walls of the building, we're not we're not doing anything. The, the commission is to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. It starts with your, your family, your church, your hometown, your neighborhood, and we, we, we take it everywhere that there's an opportunity to take it. And I pray that this year that the Lord would open more opportunities for us to take it. Um, just give us Give us more outreaches, more ways to reach people somehow, uh, because that's that's our heart desire, desire is to get people to Jesus Christ. Tonight, we're going to continue uh, through the book of Colossians as we have been here on Wednesday nights, and uh, the Lord laid this on my heart some months back. I felt to to begin a study in the book of Colossians. So uh, we're in chapter 3 now. Tonight we're going to begin at the very beginning of chapter 3. And if you have a Bible, I hope that you'll open it up and read along with us. If you don't, if you have a phone, uh, pull up the Scriptures. If you have a Bible app, pull up the Scriptures and read along if you're able to and let the Word of God speak to you. It's not enough to just go to church and listen to a preacher preach it to you. You need to see it yourself. You need to read it. You need to let the Word sink into your spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to to open it up and make it real to you. Again, it's not enough just to listen to me, any anybody, just preach to you or teach. You need to look at it for yourself. That's why we encourage our church members, bring your Bible to church. When we open the Bible to, to say, okay... This is what book we're going to. We want everybody to have a Bible and to open it up and read along with us. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 tonight, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writing says this, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. For you are dead 
and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Let me read another couple of verses. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things say the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. One more verse. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. As I was reading, going back over this earlier, I was I read the verses actually that I just read to you, read through all of them, and I began to think about some of the things that Paul said about putting off these sins, um, living a clean life, not living uh, in in not living in a, in the fashion of the old ways, the old lifestyle. But because we're new creations in Jesus Christ and we are created in the image of God and, and the likeness of His Son, so to speak, we're to be, we're to be holy, we're to be pure, we're to be clean. We are to live our life as clean as we can in the midst of a polluted world. Now, the reason that Paul said the things that he said here about these particular sins and he listed quite a few of them, of which I printed off some definitions of some of these if I get to that, is because if you back up to the previous chapter, really to the chapter 1, but the previous chapter, as he began to deal with the error that had come into this a newly founded church, I believe it was. It was a young church, pastored by a young man that may have gotten saved under Paul's ministry in Ephesus. His name was Epaphras. Epaphras had problems in the church. Uh, false religion had slipped in. Uh, what they it was labeled as Gnosticism, and it was uh, people who had come in and claimed that they had this higher revelation, you know, they had a greater revelation than the average ordinary Christian and that they had supernatural spiritual insight into the spirit realm, but they were claiming they had that insight through other other methods or other means than through Jesus Christ alone and what he did on the cross. So Paul said that, that they, you know, they were worshiping angels, they were uh, fussing or fighting or, or focusing upon celebrating feast days and fast days and commanding these new believers to abstain from eating certain meats. You know, you, you, you can't eat pork 
you go to church, the Sabbath is on a, a Saturday, so you only worship on a Saturday day. And, and all this stuff had come into this church, and the people's focus and the, the object of their faith began to change from Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to these other things and what and, and the end result of it was confusion the end the end result was turning back to sin the end, the, the end result was putting their faith in something other than what Jesus did and, and the the result of that would be that they would give in to that which was false. They would listen to things that were not right. And Paul knew that if these believers listen to this stuff, if they accept false teaching, didn't matter who it's, it was coming from, and it doesn't matter today who it's coming from, if you accept false teaching, if you listen to the wrong preacher, if you follow a ministry that is steeped in uh, Judaism, legalism, uh, Sabbath keeping, Old Testament rituals, and 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 demanding that you must keep all of these precepts. And and, and today we have people in the church that uh, they think they're Jews, but they're not Jews. You know, everybody wants to be a Jew, and I don't know why. We Paul said that we all Jews and Gentiles in uh, Ephesians. I believe it's chapter 2 or 3, somewhere in there, that Jesus Christ has torn down that middle wall of partition that was between the Jews and the Gentiles, and now we are all made one in Jesus Christ. There, he said there's, in a, I believe it was Galatians chapter 3, there's neither Jew nor Gentile nor male nor female nor bond nor free or Jew or Greek, but we are all one in Christ. So God doesn't look at the Jews and say, well, uh, because you're Jewish, you're, you're, your plan of salvation is separate from the Gentiles. He doesn't look at the Gentiles and say, because you were Gentile dogs out of the covenant, uh, your plan of salvation and what I did on the cross is different for you than it is for the Jews. No, it's the same for everybody. And we're, so we're, we're not bound by law. We're not bound by feast days, fast days. We don't worship angels. Angels didn't die to save us. Jesus did. And so it doesn't matter what it is. If anybody preaches anything to you other than Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for salvation to bring you into salvation and to teach you how to have victory over sin, he's not preaching the right gospel. He's not preaching the right message. You're not getting the Jesus of the Bible, as I tried to preach Sunday, about the Jesus of the Bible. Paul told us in Second Corinthians chapter 11 that if not careful, we just as the Corinthians, some of the Corinthians did, confined ourselves worshiping another Jesus, listening to another gospel, and following the wrong spirit. Another Jesus, another gospel, another spirit, 
And the way that happens is when you leave the cross and what Jesus did there to save us and to free us from sin. This is why so many people have been deceived because they have left the truth. And so when he he said all the things that he said here in Colossians, he said this to warn these people, to, to, to show them error, to tell them, listen, the end result of you forsaking the cross of Jesus Christ is sin. You, 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 you will eventually, you will eventually fall into some sin. And when you do, if you don't have the cross of Jesus Christ as the object of your faith, because that alone is what delivered us from sin. If you don't have that as your focus of faith, you won't be able to crawl out of that sin. You won't be able to overcome that sin. You won't be able to get victory over it because you're, you're, you're evading God's way. You're, you're trying to do it another way. And God will not, God will not approve of a wrong way. It doesn't matter who it is. He will not free you from bondage if you're putting your faith in yourself. He won't do it. If you're putting your faith in your church, if you're putting your faith in how much you pray, how much you fast, he's not going to free you from the, these bondages of the flesh because you're bypassing the method by which he's already given through his son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice on the cross because it's there that he broke the bondage of sin. It's there and there alone. So if we put our faith in anything other than that, the lust of the flesh, the flesh, is going to begin to rule us. We're going to be dominated by things. I don't mean just doing something, you know, every so often and failing. I mean... We're going to come to the place that we're going to be dominated by it, and it's going to become on a more regular basis, and it's not going to be easier to overcome. It's going to be harder to overcome. I saw on television, I think it was last night or the night before something I was watching, where they had set up, I think it was on the news, they had set up a, a sting uh, um, detective operation of sting trying to catch um, men that are trying to meet underage uh, uh, young girls on the internet and a man he was in his 60s or whatever he was, he was a doctor he he was going to meet she and she told him up front before he went that she was 15 years old and he went to meet her. He had, I don't know, he had some roses. He had some candy or whatever it was he took. And he didn't know it was an undercover operation. And they they uh, showed him talking with her. And and all of a sudden, uh, I think it was after he walked through the door, he greeted her and handed her whatever it was he had. And she turned around to walk off. And he reaches down with his hand and grabs her on the rear end. And you can sit on the camera. She turned and she stopped and she said, uh, don't, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, here come the police out from a back room. They put cuffs on him. 
and he went to jail. My point was, here's what they said. Uh, they interviewed this man later on who was a doctor, and the reporter, somebody asked the reporter, uh, do you think that he was genuine in um, repenting or, you know, being sorrowful for what he did, knowing he was wrong? And he said, yeah, I, I, I believe that he really, he really was because we did investigating on him. We didn't find any uh, any regular trafficking on his on the computer, the phone, or him doing things like this. It was his first time, it looks like. And so, you know, there's hope that he could, you know, get out of this. But they said this. They said the majority of of uh, young girls that are uh, raped or with, with older men and, and the people that do stuff like this, it happens because the men, they start on the Internet with pornography, with looking at things and obsessing over it, out of control lust, uh, evil passions. And the more that they look at it, the more they fantasize about it. That's why, you know, here in our church, you know, I, I preach certain things at times and I talk about, you know, our children with video games because there are some video games that if your children play too much and they fantasize over it, there's a reality that they could try to carry out some of the things they're watching that are not good. But but you see, that stuff begins in the heart. It's it's an out-of-control desire. And, and you know, people will say, well, how come they, they don't just stop it? The, most people, they can't just stop it because it's a bondage. It's turned into a bondage that only Jesus Christ can break. Only the power of God can break. And so when Paul said what he said here, he's addressing this error in the church, but he's also, in a sense, warning them and telling them that, hey, if you're not careful, you, you, can, you can go into bondage. Christian, one who has been born again, saved, Delivered at one time from sin. And, and so I want to go back to chapter 3 at verse 1 again to lay this out a little bit better. Here's what he said. He said, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Now, what is he saying here? He said, he's saying, if you understand who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus has done for you on the cross by breaking the bondage of sin. His death and resurrection paid the way not only just to save you, but to free you from the bondage of darkness. So if if we understand that, he said, if you then be risen with Christ, risen means that you've been, the old you, according to Romans 6, has been crucified with him, and a new person has been raised up by the power of God in the likeness of Jesus' resurrection, we too have had a resurrection. The old man has been crucified with him through what he did, 
and a new man has been raised up by the power of God. So in a sense, we have been raised up with Christ to be changed, to get, to be given a brand new life, to be free from the bondage of sin. If you then be risen with Christ, he says, seek those things which are above. In other words, all of these things that you've been listening to, this earthly stuff, men telling you, you can't eat pork. You gotta celebrate the feast days, the fast days. Go to church on Saturday, whatever. And all of these laws, all of these demands that people are putting upon you, do you know what they're doing to you? They're putting you under law, but they're leading you to bondage. They're leading you into bondage. In other words, they're taking you down a road that where Satan is going to get his claws in you, so to speak. In other words, they're helping you to go into bondage. And Paul understood this. He knew this. He already had an experience himself. He knew that if you put your faith in anything other than who Jesus Christ is and what he did, sin, the sin nature that is in us, that's that's been crucified, it's been put to death, it can revive. According to Romans chapter 7, the sin nature can revive. What revives it? Putting your faith in anything but the finished work of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I was alive without the law once at salvation. But when sin, but when the commandment came, he said, sin revived and I died. I was alive without the law once. Every single Christian has been at that point. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, when you opened up, you repented of your sins, and you asked Jesus to forgive you, and he wrote, your name was written down in heaven. You were born again. At the very moment when that happened, sin was dead. He said, I was alive without the law once. No law. You threw yourself on the mercy of God. You didn't, some of you were so far down, you had to look up to see bottom. You had nowhere to go. And that's where God had to take you, and some of us, to the end of our road to where we couldn't do anything except cry out, Oh, God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, save me. And we didn't have any law in our hands, so to speak. We we didn't have any way to negotiate with God to change our life. We literally had to fall on the mercy of God. And because we did, His grace was given to us without any law, without any promises of, well, God, I promise you I'll do this, and, and I promise that. Without any of that, you received God's mercy through the power of the Holy Spirit. You were alive without the law once. But he said this, when, when the commandment came, sin, the sin nature that has been broken, it revived. You can't revive something unless it's been dead. So that's proof it was dead. It, the sin nature, 
it was dead. But you see, the point is, it can revive. What revives the sin nature? Well, according to the word, putting your faith in yourself. Putting your faith in speaking in tongues. Putting your faith in being baptized in water. Putting your faith in the church you attend. Putting your faith in the fact that you watch this program on a regular basis. Putting your faith in whatever. If your faith is in any of that stuff and your trust is not 100% solidified in Jesus Christ alone, that sin nature that's been put to death, now it's, it, it has found a place to revive. It's found a starting point to once again be inflamed. And then when that happens, desires start getting out of control. The, the, the things that had no appeal to you before all of a sudden you see them now and they're, they're pulling you and you're, you're going toward them. You, you're heading in a direction that's not right and it's all because your faith has been moved. That's what the Bible says. This is what the Word of God teaches. So Paul said, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. That's spiritual things. Things from heaven. The things that, that God has given through His Son to deliver us and to keep us free from sin. Set your affection. Seek those things above, not not the things down here above. Spiritual things, heavenly things. It says where Christ sits on the right hand of God. This is good. Put your affection on things above where Jesus Christ sits down right now. He's not standing. He is seated by the right hand of the Father in glory, in power, in majesty. And you know why? Because the work that he accomplished on the cross is finished. That's good. He finished. He was crucified, buried, raised from the dead, seen of many of, the, of his disciples. He performed many miracles, but he ascended back to heaven after the work was finished. And now he sits down, praise God. He sits down. He's not fretting. He's not worrying. He's not nervous. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the fact that he sits down by the right hand of the Father means that what he did for us is finished, and we need to look to that. We need to look to him. Look toward heaven. Look toward the Son of God. Look to what He did. Seek those things that are above. Put your focus on Him. This is what, this is what this is telling us. Get, get your focus off of yourself. Get your focus of how much you do for the church. Get your focus on, 
off of how much you do for the community. Get your focus off of being a good person and get your focus on Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross because it is that alone that gives us salvation and freedom and deliverance. Seek those things which are above where he sits at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, Set your affection on things, here it is, above. Once again, set your affection. The, the, the word affection means this. It means to have a mindset. It, it refers to the way that we think. You know, every Christian has a way of thinking. You have a way of thinking about your relationship with God. You have, you have a way of thinking about the things you do for God. You have a certain way of thinking about your salvation. Let me ask you, what is your way of thinking? What is your mindset? Because that, that's going, that's going to determine how you live. Your mindset, again, it refers to how we think, but it, more importantly, it refers to how we think about how we're saved. How we think about how we're free from sin. If your mindset is not a mindset of, of understanding what Jesus did on the cross, you got the wrong mindset. Your thinking isn't right. And no wonder your thoughts are not on the Lord. No wonder your thoughts are not on the things of God. No wonder your thoughts throughout the day, you, you hardly even think about the Lord. If you do. Because your mindset is wrong. You're, you're, you're thinking, it's like, it's like traveling a certain path on a daily basis. If you have a certain path or let's say a, 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 a route to work, a route you take every day, you know that route. You take it every single day. It gets you from home to work. No need to go in any other direction. You know the path. It's your mindset. You know which direction you're going to get to work. Now, if you say, well, I think I'm going to take another route. I'm going to go in another direction. You're not going to end up at the, you're not going to end up at work. You're not going to end up at the final destination. If your mindset is not right, you're not going to end up with your affection set on things above. Your, if your mindset is messed up, your relationship with Jesus is going to be dull and people are going to see it. I've heard people talk about, they talk about Jesus, but there's no fire for Jesus. They talk about Jesus, but in their life, their everyday living, being around them, you don't even know that they know him. But they'll talk about him to make themselves look a little spiritual to people. They, you can get on Facebook and you can talk about him, but in public, on the job, out in the community, not a word from some of these people. Nothing. Your mindset is wrong. You gotta get your mind on Jesus Christ and off of yourself. You've got to change your way of thinking. Well, that's just the way I've always done it. If that's you, 
you're going to keep missing it. You're going to keep missing it. You're not going to have the love for the Lord that you need. You're not going to have a love for lost souls. Because I can tell you this much, heaven is thinking about lost souls. Jesus is thinking about lost souls. God is thinking about lost souls. How much do, some of you watching, how much do you ever think about a lost soul being saved? Only you can answer that question. If your mindset is right and you understand salvation and look, if you understand that you were a wretched sinner and that your heart, even if you never smoke dope, you never drink a beer, if you still understand that your heart was just as black as the pervert and you needed the same salvation, you will extend that mercy, you will care about lost souls you will want to see other people saved you can't get around that the church today hasn't worse the desire in the church as a whole to see people get saved to see people come out of darkness to see people's lives change no we're just happy with our little four no more don't 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 we, we don't want more people coming to our church. We, we don't want 10 or 15 visitors. I don't want my seat disrupted. I don't want anybody taking my seat. I don't want anybody sitting beside me. I'm really comfortable. I've been sitting in this seat all these years, and, and I'd rather just stay like I am. <laughs> There's your modern-day church. We need God to shake us up. We need to get our, our, our faith, our focus, our mindset the way we think, listen, the way we think about the Bible, the way you think about the scriptures you read, if you don't have the right mindset, you're going to be off. People, I know people who profess to know the message of the cross. They profess it. But if you could sit down with them one-on-one and go through these scriptures you would be shocked at their interpretation. You would be shocked at their understanding because their mindset is not right. You've got to have a one-track mind. In other words, yeah, you do have to be narrow-minded. You do. Because there's only one way to God. It's through Jesus Christ. There's only one way to be saved. It's through the blood. Only one way to be delivered from sin so, yeah, we, we have to be narrow-minded when it comes to this. And people, that they'll accuse you of that. But it's the truth. We can't change. We can't allow our mindset to be, to be shifted from that which is right to that which is wrong. Set your affection, verse 2, on things above, not on the things of the earth. He's not, he, and again, and he's not talking about, he's not saying, you can't watch television. You can't go to a sporting event. You can't do this. You, that's not what he's saying. He, when he says set your affection on things above and not on the things of the earth, again, there's a contrast here between that which is biblical and right, that which God has given for freedom from sin compared to what men on the earth are teaching that is contrary. 
You got to get your mind off of that and onto God's plan. Because the church is only getting worse and worse. People are, are they're deceiving and being deceived. If Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. And that's what we have today. So you're going to have to listen to that which, which, which is pointing you solely and completely to the right way. And it's hard to find in these days. Some of you watching me right now, some who will watch, you know, you understand, you can testify. Some of you, you have to watch through the Internet. You don't have a church. You can't find a church. I understand that. We understand that. And you get blessed by listening to the truth. You feel what we feel here. We want you to. But when I'm finished preaching or whoever, at the end of the service when it's over with, if I, if I didn't leave you with the impression that you need to seek after Jesus more, I didn't do anything. If I didn't leave you with the desire to seek the Lord, to understand His Word more, to understand the message of the cross as best as you can, then I didn't do my job very good. We want you to seek those things which are above. Get in the Bible. Get on your knees and pray. Do these things that the Bible tells us to do. This is a result of having the right mindset. I don't pray because I have to. I don't pray because I'm trying to make God do something for me. I'm praying because I want to pray because I'm in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. We have a lot of stuff going on. We have so many things today that can come in and kind of be a distraction to us. We can be trying to pray and our mind tries to go to something else. That happens to everybody, but we still pray. We still ask God to to help us, to bless us, to open His Word, to touch people in our church, to save people in our community, to move in our families, to move around the world. We pray because we have the right mindset. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth, he said, verse 3, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are supposed to be dead. (laughs) No, not physically, literally dead, spiritually speaking. You, me, all of us that have been born again, who have accepted Jesus Christ, We are supposed to be the old us, the old you. Again, if you go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, you'll find where Paul talks about this, that we we, we don't have a license to continue in sin because we are dead to sin. Jesus Christ broke the power of sin. His death is our death. When they put him in a tomb, and symbolically, spiritually speaking, they put our old sins in the tomb. When he came out of the tomb, was raised up by the, uh, from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too were raised up by the power of God at salvation to walk in a brand new life. So you are dead, spiritually speaking. You're dead. You're dead to the world. 
You're dead to the flesh. You're dead to the devil. He doesn't have a hold on you. He's not supposed to. Because Jesus broke his power. For you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Boy, this is good. We're dead. The old us has been put to death. Sin's power has been broken. That's why Jesus died. To break the power of sin. To rid us of sin. To get it out of us. To change us. To make us more into his image. It takes time. But nevertheless, this is the process. Are you in the process? You're watching. Are you in this process? Is God changing you? Are you, is your mouth changing? Is your language changing? Or, or is, is the alcohol leaving? Is the drugs leaving? Is the chewing tobacco leaving? Is the red man leaving? Is the snuff leaving? Is the, uh, running around with women leaving? Is, uh, is it leaving? Are you changing? Because if so, that's the result of a person who has been crucified with Christ. You are dead. And your life is hid with Christ. (laughs) You see, there's some places Jesus is not going to go with you. There's some things Jesus is not going to participate in. You're in him. You're hid with Christ in God. And that means we're being made holy. We're being changed. And if we're in Him and we do something that's wrong or we get outside of His will, we step out and do something that's sin or we get into something we shouldn't, if we're in Him, conviction is coming. And it's not going to come 10 months down the road. It's going to come as soon as possible because God doesn't want us well, look, look, one sin can lead to another sin, to another sin, to, until now the sin nature's revived. We're once again being dominated by things that God delivered us from. And I know some people watching will say, if a person is doing that, they never were saved to begin with. You can't prove that. You're wrong. You can't prove that. There's every evidence from the Word that a person who has been born again and saved and set free can go back. They can be dominated by sin. They can struggle. They can be in a fight for their life, so to speak, struggling with the bondage, but they're going to hate it. They're not going to love it. They're going to hate it. There's the difference between someone who's struggling or someone who's just continuing claiming they're a Christian. When you're struggling, you hate it. If you're just doing it and no conviction, you don't see anything wrong with it. You ain't struggling. You're lying. You're deceived. If you're struggling, you're putting up a fight. You you don't want to do it. But you can't overcome the bondage because your faith has been moved from Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross to something else. And you've got to repent of that. Not only do, you, do we have to repent of acts of sin, we have to repent. When God shows us, hey, says, listen, your faith has been in something else. When he shows you that, maybe it's through preaching and teaching, reading the word of God, you have to say, oh, Lord, forgive me. 
God, I repent of putting my trust in whatever this thing is. And Lord, I turn back to Jesus and Jesus alone. And I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe that his blood is all I need. And so you repent. You come back to your first love. Do your first works over, the book of Revelation says. Repent. Do your first works over. Come back where you started. You fell in love with Jesus. Who are you in love with now? What are you in love with? Now, what's taken the place of going to church? What has taken the place of praying? What's taken the place of reading the Bible? What has taken the place of the things of God? It's time to let the Lord wipe it out, give you a fresh start, a new fire, new desires, so that you can once again get back to seeking those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God, because you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. I'm going to ask him to put it up on the screen. Psalms chapter 91, starting at verse 1. This was one of my very favorite chapters of the Bible when I got saved. It goes perfectly with what we're reading here. You're, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. This was one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. I memorized almost the whole entire chapter within six months of being saved. But I, I remember I read this over and over and over. I could quote it. I didn't even understand it all. I'm not saying I do all of it now, but I understand a lot more now than I did then. It says, He that dwelleth that means to stay or to abide in the secret place of the Most High. Can I tell you where that secret place is today? It's in Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. He said, He shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know what that speaks of? Protection. You're protected. The devil can't do anything to you. When you're in the secret place, unless God allows him. But for the most part, you're protected. Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He's my hiding place. He's where I go to when I'm in trouble. He's my fortress. He is my defense. He's a defense against the devil. He's a defense against the power of sin. He said, he's my refuge and my fortress. I will say of him, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Next verse says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. You know who that is? That's the old evil one. That's Satan. He will deliver you. From the snares, the traps, the pitfalls that Satan lays for you if you're abiding in the secret place. If your faith is in Christ and what he did at the cross. And from the noisome pestilence. The next verse says this. He shall cover thee with his feathers. Again, protection, hiding place. 
And under his wings, no, God ain't a chicken. God's not a bird. This is an analogy. I, I think of a, a, a mother hen. I was raised up with chickens, me and my baby brother, many chickens. I know a little bit about chickens. And I know enough to know this. You don't mess with baby chickens, little bitty babies. You can ask my baby brother that. <laughs> Mama and the babies were walking around in the yard one day, and we always liked to play, try to try to play with the chickens. He decided he was going to go over and try to pick up a baby. Mama jumped up and flogged his head. You don't mess with God's children. He'll flog your head. <laughs> but it's protection. He'll cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall trust. Look, his truth, not his psychiatrist, not his psychologist, not a drug. His truth shall be your shield. There's your defense and your buckler. His truth. The next verse says this. Thou shalt not be afraid. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in fear. Jesus Christ can break the spirit of fear. You shall not be afraid. Uh, of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Everything going on in the world right now, the threat of war, there's high tensions all over this world. You don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to be afraid of it because I have a God in heaven who's going to take care of me. You have the same God. The next verse says this, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. The next verse says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near thee. You are pre- I'm not saying that you as a Christian, you will never experience anything negative. That ain't what I'm saying, but I'm saying this. For the most part, you have the protection of God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. It shall not come near thee. The next verse says, Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Next verse, Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge. David said he's my refuge too. Because you have made the same Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, no evil shall befall you. Neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. I'm going to stop there. Enough of that. You got the point. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Everything you need It's in Him. If you're watching this tonight and you realize now your faith isn't right, your trust isn't right, you repent of that. You ask God to forgive you. You say, Lord, I'm sorry that I put my trust in other things. I repent and now I see tonight that I need 
to put all of my trust only in your son, Jesus Christ, and that I need to understand that his finished work on the cross gives me every single thing I need from freedom of sin to protection to finances, family, whatever. He is everything that I need. I like that song. To me, he's become everything. He's everything that I need. He's the future, the past, the first and the last. To me, he's become everything. I pray tonight that you've been blessed by this teaching. Again, we felt like this is the direction the Lord wanted us to go tonight. You know, it's going to be real, real cold again tonight in many areas, many states. Pray everybody stay safe, stay warm. And we're praying for a good, clear weather here the next few days. We all can get back to church here Sunday morning and Sunday evening and continue on with our regular services. So continue to watch the services Sunday morning, 1030 a.m., Sunday evening at 530. And we love all of you. God bless you. Continue. Share these videos. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. We love all of you. Until next time. We'll see you then. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.